Hey guys, welcome to episode 238 of the podcast with my marvelous guest, Christine Lennon. Uh, I want to thank for their wonderful emails, uh, Leah, Scott, and Heidi. And uh, that's about it, everybody. I think I'm... Um, I'm trying to remember if there's any like events or anything zany I need to tell you about. Um, I will say that I just, uh, started work back on season two of Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher's wonderful show, Take My Wife, available on CISO. And, uh, it was so great to be back. I just, um, love those, those gals. So if you have not checked it out, um, there's about a billion shows on CISO, many of which I've done, uh, that I can't recommend enough. So, um, show them some love and, uh, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Now entering nerdist.com. levels um but it's it is definitely like just an eyeballing situation mm-hmm. not speaking of knockwood yeah. we knocked some wood before i started we it's been a little while since we um had an, any kind of an audio problem on the show so i'm gonna choose to believe that that means nothing will happen yes, today exactly. either Good not luck. a thing yeah <laughs> uh I, thank you for coming i you're wearing beautiful cream colored pants and i'm <laughs> so glad that my couch is slightly less dog hairy i i just want to get it out of the way i mean i feel like i have a lot of song and dance to distract from the floor but like at the end of the day if you really look at it it just looks it looks like i've never vacuumed i vacuumed no. two days ago that is all husky how funny she is i mean her hair is coming out in like clumps right now (laughs) you would think something was seriously wrong with her except that she always does this this time of year but it went from 55 degrees to 90 degrees in like three days yeah so her hair was like i'm out of here exactly if i had fur to shed i would just be shedding it yeah i have a white dog so you just can't see the dog hair on my white pants and that was your furniture uh dog did you match your furniture to your dog hair we have lots of denim furniture which is Mm. kind of i mean you can definitely see it i've got one of the the sticky rollers that you get the dry cleaner or like you could go through one of those a week if you actually like made it your business to constantly have exactly. it clean he's one of those dogs that isn't supposed to shed which is just the biggest lie in the whole world yeah. every dog <laughs> should, every dog sheds it's just a, it's yeah they do um, yeah it's fine we'll we'll just roll away all that ickiness you're just gonna roll it right out of the way roll out of not the even way. gonna be bothered exactly. by it so the cream pants are part of a story i mean i was assigned this weird story the wall street journal to wear like a white suit like in three different ways and my deadline is like this afternoon so i've got the jacket in the car so this is kind of like a version of i have to wear it later when i go to work um at i work have like a little membership at noya house down in hollywood oh nice i'm gonna look like the easter bunny there in my white suit absolutely are (laughs) everyone's super hip and they're like rock tea and i'll just just waltz in like steve martin or like (laughs) that's a very good comparison i like that it's it's, it's like it's circle it could be circle la story could be circa dirty rotten scoundrels how many i mean there who else um white suits tom wolf oh yeah 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 i want to go high i'm so filthy i can't even imagine i would have to stop eating foods that weren't clear i double napkin on the last yeah. It's been really, I'm a notorious spiller and I have avoided like anything, like obviously no red wine ever yeah. in a white yeah. suit, but it's, um, it's fun. I think they'd like to 
kind of assign these stories to people who I mean sort of feel awkward anyway in, yeah. like, in all situations and yeah. it's like why not add to this and make you feel extra awkward yeah exactly it. that's but perfect like the pants the pants are kind of flowy and comfortable so anyway I like a flowy work. pant this is how yeah. I work <laughs> do you like the uh now it's it's Neue House Neue House it's like N-E-U-E N-E-U-E U-E-U-E umlaut no there's just it's lots of U's and E's um I like it it's it's I am very productive there. Mm-hmm. I, so I, it's like a workspace. It is sort of a... Exactly. It's, it looks... It's very stylish. It yes. looks like it could be like a W hotel. I know. Um, and most workspaces that I was familiar with up to that point were way more kind of utilitarian yes. and sort of depressing looking, exactly. to be honest with you. And this is like, like what a is bunker. This? I, I like could a, be brilliant inside one of these. I know. I have had lots of book stuff to do in the last five or six months, and I just needed to go and like to a place where I wasn't going to straighten a drawer and I wasn't going to like order groceries on Instacart and I wasn't, I just had to focus and I can really, it's so beautiful and there's this amazing outdoor patio that's huge and with a great view of Hollywood and I love it there. It is a little bit, it's just like so cool that I feel like a little bit, I'm hiding in the corner. Right, right. Like they're going to find out that I'm not really cool and they're going to kick me out. (laughs) That's like every day. I think that's so so many people's still feelings about, hence the podcast about high school. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that's the sort of sense like that's same with like places like Soho House here. Oh God, Which is a guy's also sort of like like it's totally it's one of those places where like the times that I've been there the people that I've gone there with are almost apologetic about it yeah because they're all super cool and mellow and they don't they're not it's this sort of I mean it's it's very it's like in Beverly Hills it's very chic it's very like by invitation only and so it has this sort of like oh that's a great place to meet and have lunch and talk about a role or like you know a project you might and you gotta apply and get in and that is like the ultimate like yeah and it's so expensive but my but again like the people most of the people I've met there with or who have a membership there or whatever are like ah it's just that it's so convenient and this is where everyone uh, like they are kind of a <laughs> they're full of it everybody's ah. like a little bit jazz or like i've got this private club in beverly hills and yeah an olive tree on the roof yeah and i think that you have to apologize or else you just feel like i mean how can you not apologize right but i think the noy house thing is a little noy house is a little bit better because i mean not better or worse whatever more suitable suited to my needs because mm-hmm. it's like a daytime thing it's yeah. closed at night it's not there's a bar but it's like a happy hour thing and it's really just like a place to go and work and have like there's a tech person who'll come fix your computer and I mean I have like the cheapest level of membership there yeah. I'm not like an official and I kind of skulk around the corner but it's it's fun that there are lots of fun people there and it was really I was like the other day I went to work and it was so empty and I was like this is amazing what's happening and they're like oh Coachella Oh yeah. I'm like, yeah! Oh my God! Gross. Yeah. The, the, I felt like I was aware of the city being strangely yes. empty, and what was I was doing something where I yeah I was doing something where I was like, no, I'm definitely I could never do Coachella. I hate hot oh, weather, God, and it. I'm from the desert, and I just can't. You're from Arizona. I'm right? from Tucson. Yeah. I'm from Florida, and so okay. we're my Andrew. Muggy. My husband likes to say that we're from spring break states, right? Like, yeah. So you're totally gonna understand like Florida and Arizona. Yeah. Are so different climate wise, but yeah. sort of like the 
they're very similar. I mean, not similar. They're very sun baked kind of like, yeah, you're golden. You, if you like that, like yeah. if you're into that, you're yeah. all set. And I just never, is that how you felt about being oh, a where you're like, I mean, this is not for me. I had eight bad hair years. <laughs> I mean, in like every picture, just like a little bit sweaty. Yeah. And, um, I went back not that long ago <laughs> or a lot sweaty in some yeah. of the pictures. And I you went, don't even have like super curly hair, which wavy. I don't either. It's way. Does it get real, oh real crinkly and frizzy? It gets like Gene yeah. Wilder. I would I say, I was surprised at my own hair. I was like, who's hair? is this just being in that crazy muggy way i went back for a reunion a bunch of years ago and um i had just you know it was just i don't know why i went i I just i have twins who are 10 years old i just had the babies and i was like i just need to prove to myself that i can still do stuff like this like tailgate in the middle of a day (laughs) yeah and and they're like christine oh my god you look exactly the same and i was like yep still sweaty still sweaty (laughs) like i come back in Uh, 40 and i'm still just like like all the pictures just really curly hair and just like super beautiful. just like so beautiful i mean there is beautiful curly hair i do not have beautiful curly right, hair. right 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 i just felt i don't you know florida my parents and my brother and his family and my sister and her family they are still there and i visited all the time um it's you know i think anybody who has read my book would know i don't have like I have very complicated feelings about it there like yeah. i there i love the people and i'm i also feel like it is just the worst place ever in some respects and I'm not being and then when I go and visit okay this is a good example I, we took the kids to to go to see my parents in Naples for spring break and we were having I was having a great time and I was like I'm really just being too hard on this place I should really stop with all like the Jimmy Buffett bashing and the whole thing. <laughs> it's so easy and it's so easy it's, it's tough when something sets it's so it seems easy. like it sets itself up for and that so I was sitting there and we went to we took them to the Everglades and we had this crazy airboat ride and we were having kind of an it was like I'm just embracing this yeah we yeah were, yeah lean we have, lean in right exactly, lean in lean in we had boiled peanuts like there was like they were holding a baby alligator which was just so inhumane it lived in like a fish tank and mm-hmm. I'm like you know what I'm just gonna go for it head on mm-hmm. I'm like I really am being too hard in this place and I was sitting on the bench and having like a moment of, of reflection and then this speedboat this little motorboat comes by and this guy like so sunburned in like a Hawaiian shirt with his sunglasses on the back of his neck like serving no purpose at all like blast <laughs> has like a little radio blasting Jimmy Buffett like out there like yeah like just probably like a 12 pack in the boat just for sure, him and sure, I'm like sure. you know what no I'm yeah. not being too hard on <laughs> this place it. I'm that exactly was the, right. the final turn of the <laughs> exactly. screw just no but look there are so many great places and to visit and I you know I, I have just it's not a clean experience for me there it's always loaded um that makes total sense yeah and I think I, a lot of people feel that way about where they're from right yeah. I mean for sure and I moved there and I, I think part of it is that you know it's like a first impression kind of thing because I moved there three months into my freshman year of college of high school mm. and oh so, god what a terrible time to yes live. oh potentially god. unless you wanted to start oh, over no 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 yeah. I know you're not I mean this was not my decision at 14 to yeah. like up, where I grew up in Kansas City and my dad got a job in Florida and uh and Tampa, Florida, and I my theme, he moved us to Clearwater. And it was just like I went kicking and screaming. I did not want to go. And just at 14, you know, you're just so it's so you're just awful. so raw. It's yeah. like everything in you is a nerve ending. Exactly. It's so yeah. sensitive and just kind of like, I've got to start over again. Are you kidding me? 14 Ugh. years old. Yeah. And so I think that like all experiences, like your first the the I kind of the tone was set that first week that I moved to town and I was just like, it is, I hate you for bringing me here yeah. kind of thing. And 
And I was so, it was such a cultural shock. Sorry. I do have an older brother. Okay. And was, how was he? He stayed in Kansas City. He's like, forget oh. this. And yeah. then a couple years later, he came down. And, and then I had a younger sister who was in elementary school. And it was just like, okay, new school. That's yeah. fine. You know, when you're like third grade, it doesn't matter that That's much. hard too. When you, yeah, if you have someone else in the family who's, you would hope would take your side. And yeah. instead, somehow you're the negative oh, Nancy. God, and everyone yes. else is like, what's the big deal, Christine? I know. I know. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt about it. Yeah. And um, I got there and I was really kind of this, Kansas City is sort of a preppy Midwestern place. and Kansas like, City, Missouri? Oh, yeah. well, Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas. I lived in... Is there, there's a, uh, tell me, break down for me. I need to be reminded because I know Kansas City, Kansas yes. and Kansas City, Missouri are very different from one another. They're, they are. For the most part, people say... by the river, I think. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't drive when I lived there, so I feel like you're just being driven around all the time and yeah. I knew like where my school was and where sure. my friends lived and I didn't you're not really paying, know you that much. You don't have to pay that much attention. Exactly. But it's, it's a cool place. Kansas City, Missouri is where like the downtown is. And it's, um, is that the quote unquote worst part of, I just know that some people are like one part of it's more rough than the other. Well, I think they would probably say that the downtown, there are parts of downtown Kansas city that are like any kind of downtown city that are a little rough, but their most beautiful parts are also on the Missouri side in so many ways. It's like the older neighborhoods where I lived was like this sprawling suburb. There were. Shawnee Mission was what's what it was called, and there were five high schools, and they were creatively named North, South, East, West, and Northwest. <laughs> so you went to Shawnee Mission East or Shawnee Mission West or Shawnee, and um, Shawnee like Shawnee like Shawnee like, Indian, like Indian Native American. That, that never stops feeling horrible. Yes, <laughs> like uh, oh, what's name? Guys, we got to name our thing after the thing we did basically destroyed. Exactly. <laughs> the and thing my we elementary decimated. school was called Blue Jacket Elementary, and it was named for this. It was like the saddest story I ever heard. <laughs> and we were just like, oh, yes, Blue Jacket Elementary. Let's name it. There was a chief Blue Jacket oh, for no. the... Cha- I already know this I is know, terrible. The Shawnee tribe who um, was essentially like an orphan um, white settler whose family was like murdered by... Uh, the Indians who was this like roaming the prairie. This is how I remember it. Uh-huh. And they, the tribe like adopted him cause they're not going to like slaughter the boy and like raised him. And, um, he became, he still remembered some English words, you know, and so he became kind of a translator for the tribe and like sort of helped to negotiate reservations and things. And I mean, I'm probably, I'm sure I'm butchering the story, but this is how I remember it. And it was like, we, it was so brutal and awful. the, the whole origin story of my elementary school is yeah. like a little bit like what <laughs> did you say? Inexorably tied yes. to the darkest times. The darkest of our, yeah. time. Well, one of the darkest one times the in American history. But um, and there was this like this full Native American headdress, like the mascot was oh, like plus. this. Full, and you said was it principal? Like what was the racial makeup of the school? It was a hundred percent white. I mean, I think we had. Oh, I mean, bless. we had a really lovely black family down the street. Um, Gerald and April were awesome kids, but I can't imagine what it felt like to be there for them. Yeah. It was like this very. Um, I. It was a kind of a, a. It was a very typically Midwestern place to grow up. Yeah. And it was just like everybody just kind of. It was just so, so aggressively normal. Uh-huh. And, you know, we went to, my brother played t-ball and everybody was into sports and it was just like, you went to school and read your books and, and then it's all, okay, we're moving to Florida, which is just nuts. Uh-huh. There. <laughs> I mean, I, I got, I went from, I went from like the most normal place to like the most abnormal place in like a week. And so I'm standing in front of my math class, like the first day I literally, I went from a, um, 
a junior high with like 700 students to a high school with 2,600 students mm. where I kn- knew no one. I mean, there was this really angry girl who lived next door to me who they kept trying to make me friends with. And I'm like, I don't care how bad it gets. Like, I don't, have, I don't care if I have to eat lunch alone for the rest yeah. of my life. I'm not hanging out with her. Oh, no. So I'm standing in front of my math class with my like polo rugby shirt on holding my books with my little like and um wondering what's happening to your hair already yes, already like what is this humidity thing and um the girl in the front row was just like the raddest like I mean shaved head like 14 piercings like wow. so she was like oh look she even has polo socks and the whole class like burst out in like hysterical laughter. And then this kid in the back who's like Troy something, I can't remember, <laughs> calling out everybody. And then he did this to me. <laughs> That's like, what this is. Everybody's name. It's a mean girl's uh, yes. book. Exactly. Book. Revenge. Yeah. And um, he was like, hey, Dorothy, where'd your house land? Because it was like a Kansas Sure. Thing, Let's which, get all those Kansas jokes out of the which way. Which was sort of brilliant. Yeah. For, like some idiot yeah. in ninth grade in, um, in Florida. And it was just like, I cannot believe that my life, my life wasn't even... It wasn't like it was so great in Kansas, but it got like a lot worse. It ran really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really just set the tone for my whole experience in the state where it's just like, I don't want to be here. I'm not here of my own will. Like you kind of have to, you're at your parents' mercy. Right. And then I made the boat. I had this, I went in November and then I had to take all the finals for my classes that didn't even line up with my there was no comparable curriculum uh-huh. between the two You're schools sort of looking at it like yeah oh, yeah this, this looks new. vaguely familiar i mean kind history like different you know time in history but yeah. i'm like i'll i'll study and and i got you know i kind of aced all of my exams i just i mean honestly i had nothing else to do but i was really into school which is obviously very cool and um <laughs> And I, as you tell the shaved head girl, I know that I have polo socks, but like, get this, I love school, so that's pro- that probably makes me cool again. I know. <laughs> Don't judge me so quickly. I also love school. That's right. So um, I got my, I got really good grades on the exams, and my parents, as like a kind of gimme, said, "Here's a little bit of money. I mean, not even that much. Like, why don't you just go to the mall mm-hmm. and buy yourself a whole new wardrobe so you can kind of try to fit in?" So it was like a weird John Hughes movie makeover where like just bought black and like I was gonna say yeah what it to you what did that mean I was you like know, what did that weird look like plaid pants it was like this kind of new wave sort of thing that I was going for I don't know what it was very misguided <laughs> but I do think that it was you know I ended up writing for fashion magazines and as an adult that's what I have done for um you know 20 20 plus years and uh I think that I've, I kind of understood the power of transformation and sure. like what, like just changing your outfit and like paying attention to what's going on around you and like just trying to fit in and the, and how like a t-shirt really can be, make a difference like yeah. in that, in, in that context in high school. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, the, November I moved there, December we took the exams. I went for this shopping weird <laughs> extravaganza. I mean, probably about like six things, you right. know, um, in over Christmas break and I came back in January and somebody was just like, Hey, did you just move here? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> like just now, uh, like I just, just three days ago, uh, like I was just trying to like, I was so invisible in that, um, six week period. Like yeah. I was like, I'm just going to lay low. God, I wish we had like a picture of you the last day of school before winter break. And then a picture of you the I first wish I day had back. Thought, that I would mean, be an amazing I know. before and after. Exactly. I had no idea what I was really I'm making it sound like I really strategized more than I did yeah I didn't think it was going to be this like complete transformation but I did you know it was it was pretty smart you know like I don't want to be 
it was one of those moments where it's like, you've got to do something about this. Like you yeah. don't want to be eating. I mean, I was literally eating alone in the lunchroom and like with yeah. my milkshake and I'm, nobody was really, fig- I, the, for some reason I found the cafeteria line very complicated and uh-huh. intimidating. <laughs> and so I knew how to do the milkshake machine and I didn't want to ask anyone. I was so shy and I was yeah. so alone. And it just it's, felt that, like- it's so acute. At the, it's so funny. Cause you know, now I like, and I'm sure there's a, an example of this that, I could think of now that I would still feel that like howling wind inside my tummy and my heart. But like, I just don't feel now when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, I would eat by myself. I'd read a book. Like who cares? Yes. But that feeling of loneliness is just, it's so different when you're that age. It's crushing. It's just like, you're trapped inside it. And it's really hard to get out of that it feels like a sentence it feels like you've been sentenced to it I totally agree and you know now that I'm a parent and I read so many of these books about parenting and kids and it's like they just need one kid to look for in the morning like especially boys like they don't need a big pack of of friends they have one person Mm. who they can make make eye contact with when they walk into school and like hang out with and that's enough yeah and it's just like I didn't have that one person at all. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I had just like saddled up and s- sat down and of course, like there's this one like total freaks and geeks kind of like burnout table it was like, Hey, little girl, want to come sit with us? And it was like, no, my God, no. <laughs> and so I kind of, I was trying to find my people and I should have just been happy to find any people at that point. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. But anyway, it was Florida there. That's my long ex- explanation of how I feel about Florida. I think it's a, I think it's apt and, uh, and maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe part of that, you know, changing the outside is it sort of does give you permission to yes. feel different or to feel like, I mean, listen, that there was a whole, I've talked about this on the podcast before, I guess it made a huge impression on me, but the, I think, I guess it was with This American Life about, you know, the idea of like when you're wearing a costume or when you're wearing a mask yeah. and the one story about there's a little girl who's extremely painfully shy she barely speaks above a whisper but she's the school mascot but oh. she's like a bouncy tiger she puts on her tiger outfit she's doing handsprings she gets up and like goofs around with people like takes pictures with them so it's cool. just like a totally different thing and for her it's about that yeah. anonymity but it's all and like but then she becomes famous even she, though no one's seeing her face yeah she's and got permission I th- yeah and i think that's one thing that i will say about because i've definitely <clears throat> gone through admittedly I can't say that I I think that I'm going to qualify this like 50 (laughs) times I think I've gone through phases where I wanted people to think or believe about me that I felt fashion was stupid or that it was very you know shallow and that if I were to care about what I look like on the outside that would mean that you know I didn't have anything going on on the inside um and then I've gone the opposite direction where you know I was like my best friends were going to you know fashion design school clothing design school and it suddenly became so interesting to me and it was you know a craft and it was a point of view and it's this amazing way to express yourself and I think most of us fall somewhere in between but um but I really appreciate the value of if that is important for someone or if someone feels like that transformative quality it helps them in some way yes then I totally, I'm all for it you I know? know I couldn't agree more and look fashion magazines are oh god I have so many complicated feelings about it I mean yeah. I, I did I worked at Vogue I worked Harper's Bazaar I worked at W and talk about I don't know why I just always inserted myself myself into these situations where I'm like this is going to be so painful for me like oh I just for some reason I feel like I just wanted to face that head on and just like get in the mix mm-hmm. um 
wanted to write. I just wanted, I didn't know how to make that happen. I moved to New York. Yeah. Well, so was that something you were doing when you were a teenager? Was that a way that you'd like keep a diary? Like how did yeah. you, if you were internalizing all of this stuff, sure. were you expressing it for yourself as a writer or yes, any other way? I was writing in little journals mm-hmm. and notebooks and just trying to keep track of these feelings. Mostly I was just writing in my head a lot too. I was alone a lot by choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, not by choice at first and then by choice later when I finally made some friends. But I just, I like to think about stuff and, and um, it's just sort of, for me, writing about fashion and style is like a, is almost like being an anthropologist in mm-hmm. some ways where you're like, you it's a way to look at the culture and find out how people are, you know, choose to express themselves. Like what they want to project into the world based on what, they're wearing and it doesn't have to be expensive or exclusive it's just like you know it's just kind of a way every morning you make these choices Mm -hmm. like how who do I want to be today and or well that's like and that's like that's like on the what am I trying to say it's like being on the front that, that that what we're talking about is also like connecting and including people who are just like everyday people opposed to you know well this is this designer with this point of view not to say that's not interesting as well but it's easier to look at someone and not think about it in terms of like whether you weigh 100 pounds or not sure you know rather than like getting into that whole complicated thing which is really complicated and it's real hard it's loaded and I can't tell you how many times I was a beauty editor at magazines and you know that was my path and it was I wasn't writing about clothing as much as I was writing about like appearance and health and and it was tricky it's just like look do fashion magazine i'd always have to be, i'd be invited to speak on these panels about like anorexia and media oh, sure. and all this stuff and it's just like there were times where i couldn't really answer the question in defense of mm-hmm. the magazines like i realized what i was doing was sort of part of the problem sometimes but yeah. what i tried to do what i tried to do as a writer and editor was you know, address the humanity of it. Like there, there's no better way to get to know someone than to sit down and I have that person empty out their little makeup bag in front of you Mm -hmm. or the kit. And it's just like, it's a conversation starter. It's like, it's not about being skinny or fitting, fitting it to a size two. It's just like, what your hair looks so great. Like, how did you do that? Or like, what makes you feel good? Like what makes you tick? Like I have 20 lipsticks that are almost exactly the same color as my lip. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean about me? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, there's just such a funny, woman to woman kind of connection that's made with beauty. Um, and so look, there were great parts of it and, and awful parts of it. And it's like, talk about cool, like the cool girl lunch table, like cheese, like to the power of 1000. And yeah, world. God, you must be so tired of people being like, does the devil wears Prada mean something <laughs> to you? Was it like the story of your life? Is that you? I mean, that is so funny. There are a lot of people who did. I did work at Vogue for a hot second. I don't think Anna could pick me out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. Like she would never be like, who's this person? She never worked for me. Um, but yes, I did work at Vogue and there were parts of that that definitely felt true to life. Like I, we would have to run, she would call for a meeting and, you know, I started there and like a month later, my boss went on maternity leave. And so I had to kind of run these meetings, like knowing nothing about, about how it worked there. And it was just, it was so awful. Like I was in tears by probably every other day. Oh, there you go. And Anna would call the, and her assistant would call. She wouldn't call and say, Anna needs to see you like right now. And it was always just like you dropped whatever you were doing and yeah. you booked it down the hall. You ran as fast as you could. Yeah. And that, so that part of it was true. Yeah. And so I'm in these weird heels, just like booking, booking, <laughs> running so fast, like, <sighs> oh, like panicked. And I get into the office right in front and I hear her say, does she have legs? Like if she's oh not moving my fast God, enough. It's that real. Yeah. That's so crazy. But that said that 
she is such an incredible person to work for in that she is so decisive. She knows exactly what she yeah. wants. She's, I mean, in charge of this empire now. You know, she's a creative director at Kanye Nast. Yeah. She, like, delights in her power. She doesn't shirk away from it. You maybe know, she's I a sociopath. Think, maybe she. And I mean that in a, the most, it's not her fault if she is. It's just a different genetic makeup. I know. But like, I can't say anything. these people, that doesn't mean she's a murderer. Like, it's, there are so many varying levels of what it means to be a psychopath, whatever you want. A sociopath people, kind of seems to make more sense because yes. I think they mean the same thing, but like, it, they lack people empathy, equate, right? yeah, people equate like stabbing with with psychopathy, whereas sociopathy, you can kind of imagine like, oh, this is a functioning person. This yes. person could be president. And uh, I, <laughs> um, this person may, but yeah, like and like just the because the the ratio like in Silicon Valley even yes. of just people who are I, sociopaths and it really is like it's it's just it doesn't have to be. I mean, the lacking empathy is sort of the way that's the part that affects us that aren't yes. and that hurts and it's awful. And yet, there's also like the you know the person who's getting it done because yeah. they are like I don't give a shit what you think about me and yes. I can't afford to anyway. So this is the right job for me because I, Look, I have to do the X, Y, and Z. I just, you know, and I, I envy that. I envy that. Yeah. I do. I do envy that. I, I would think, never be able to say that about anyone. Does she have legs? I know. I would be like, excuse me. I need to go hang myself I now. Know. I can't believe I'm that person. I know. My God. It's, um, I was never close enough to her to have seen her humanity, but I know people who have, right. I know that it exists. She's got a lot of really good friends who adore her. I think that there's a little bit of a, of a thing where she, it almost becomes like, this is the part that she's playing. Right. I totally get that. And I was going to say that exists in Hollywood too. Right. Yeah. Where I know people that I love as humans. And then I've seen them in the workplace and I'm like, Oh yeah, you're different. Yes. And so I think maybe it's just, she delights in, um, pushing people to beyond like to their full capacity in terms of what they can deliver at work. And she gets uh, people to give their best effort every day mm -hmm. by fear uh, largely, which mm -hmm. is not how I would have done it. I'm, I also worked for Liz Tilberis who, you know, was the editor in chief of Harper's Bazaar and died of ovarian cancer. And she, I really liked her. I know that's not because amazing. I used to read, I mean, I still like, I still think Elle is a great magazine. Yes. I feel that I, they, they, there are amazing pieces yeah, about politics and charity and real questions about like, yeah. what does it mean that my body's doing this? Yes. And, you know, here's where my heart broke. And it's, it's just like good stuff. Yeah, Elle is good really stuff. dense with information mm -hmm. and good information. Great book reviews, Smart great writers. movie reviews. Absolutely. No part of me is like, this is my Elle magazine, you guys. Like, no. Cosmo, I would not read. Be, but I, I, There doesn't need to be such a divide. And that's what we would always say about, you know, working at fashion magazines. It's like, you don't have to go either or. You can, you can like beautiful clothes and also be a serious person and also think about serious things and I'll have fun, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, magazines... My point about Liz was that she motivated people through kindness. Like I wanted to work. You wanted her to be proud of you, hard and for her yeah. because she was so encouraging and funny. I would read her. I would read her yes. from the editor. Like yeah. somehow I got wrapped up in her and Dominique Browning. Who oh was, yeah. I would always read her, and then I was like, oh, of course. Well, now she has books that, yes. like, you know, oh, yeah. she's a marvelous writer. And Joan and Julia Buck and, is also an incredible yeah. writer with a with a uh, history with Paris Vogue and just like a really really smart lady and lots of insights and very self deprecating and you know the magazine world relies on these two populations to sort of work you know synergistically and that it's like the really super cool cool girls who can always pick out the perfect outfit and then 
you know, and style people beautifully. And then like the awkward nerdy ones who stay till two o'clock in the morning to make sure that the, the words make sense. Uh right? (laughs) And so, you know, you try to think like, are there any really like cool girl writers? I mean, there are some out there, but I mean, most people want to, they don't think of themselves as cool, even if they're perceived as cool Mm -hmm. from, you know, the outside. So I was the, my first day at Vogue, somebody said to me, you know, you work here and you're either a workhorse or a racehorse. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear that I was a Clydesdale that it wasn't even funny. Good for you, though. That says longevity, you know? Yeah. The racehorse thing is like, you're going to drop dead of a heart attack. Yeah, I know a little <laughs> bit. But, but it was just like, I meant, what I meant by that was like, I wasn't a DuPont or like there was well, a, sure. an of course that's what they meant. My, right, um, right. You know, and, I, and you do need people to put it out the magazine. But do you think it's, do you think it's possible that that crazy upset of you moving to this new place and being dropped down in the middle of something you were like oh I can survive this yes. because I think a lot of people would go uh-uh because no. they hadn't had that experience so they would not feel that I they totally knew agree. how to function there look I'm there is I now thank my parents for bringing me even making me move at that juncture because I think I was just getting to you know you can you can sort of coast I don't know yeah. if I would have pushed myself to move to New York and to yeah, and hell, if you didn't care about leaving Kansas, yes, it then got, yeah, you were like, I got to get the hell out of New, uh, out of here. Might as well go to New York. Exactly. Or, yeah. I'd already had experience like starting to you know building my life from life from scratch. Yeah. And so I did it in Florida, and then I did it in New York, and then when I moved here 14 years ago, I did it here, and it's just like that. It takes that fear of change away from you, mm-hmm. and it's really brutal in that moment. But yeah. I do feel like it was the best thing that, that my parents ever did for me in the end. And I mean, I look, I have tons of friends in Florida, and I think. I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm hard on the place just because it's fun. It's easy. It's like a, um, but also I have a fondness for it at mm-hmm. the same time. And so the book is set in my book. The Drifter is set. It starts in New York, but this woman, the main character Betsy, reflects on her time in August of 1990 in Gainesville. Um, and it's like a lot of the story takes place where I went to college in Gainesville, Florida. So yeah. it's a, uh, you know, it's. It, it's very it's there are parts of it that are autobiographical obviously because it has the new york aspect that mm-hmm. feeling like fish out of water in new york mm-hmm. like being in your 20s and kind of figuring out how to make that place yours yeah and then also reflects on that moments in college where again it's just like semi semi autobiographical in that she, you know betsy this character kind of gets access to this world of um you know, kind of mean girl culture and then decides it's not for her and tries to kind of tiptoe out of it. Um, And I don't know. So I guess these are themes that are interesting to me and I like thinking about them. Sure. So, yeah. But, um, and were you writing fiction all along or no. was it something that was like you kind of it was cooking in your brain kind of like kind we were talking about exactly with yeah. bubbling and I never thought, you know, I, I never thought I would write fiction. I took classes in college and I liked it so much, but I was just like, come on, I don't have a story to tell. And also I felt like I was, you know, I'm, I love classics and I love, I'll read all the National Book Award nominees and all this stuff. And I mean, I love Jennifer Egan who won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction for... She seems like she would be considered a cool girl maybe. She, I mean, she's supposed to be the nicest person ever. Yeah. She was a professor at, at Columbia for one of my friends and and who got an MFA, an MFA there. And she said she was the most supportive and incredible. Nice. Uh, person and I, I'm such a fangirl. Like I think I would just pass out if she walked uh-huh. in the room. Not that I even rec- I would think I would recognize her, but not sure. Anyway, um, I w- always thought like, you know, I'm in order to work up to writing that kind of book, you have to write your f- first book, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. every single writer has written a first book. Sure. So I sort of 
I, eventually I just sort of let myself off the hook and said, there are lots of stories worth telling and reading that aren't, it's just like movies. It's just like, there. I love so many movies that weren't even considered for an Academy yeah. Award or an Independent Spirit Award or whatever yeah. it is. Isn't it crazy how we put that pressure on ourselves yes. when we as consumers don't have that expectation, uh-uh. but as soon as it becomes a thing we make, it has to be the best thing anyone's ever made. Yes. Not even because we feel we need to be the best it's like somehow we're shit if it's not exactly. even I, it's weird it's like not I totally see I it's mean, not a competitive feeling it's it's just like an ex, it's just a way to beat yourself up in advance yes exactly you it's know what i mean to say just to kind of like take it off the table because it just not, not even try because yeah. if i can't if i'm not i'm not gonna write this you know the this level of book like it's not going to be taught in seventh grade 40 years from now right right so it's like that so it's not worth writing or reading or contributing and i, I think being in los angeles for as long as i have i i really learned that the, there's like valuable storytelling at all levels mm-hmm. like, and, and so, yeah and that like you're gonna end up there's so many failures anyway and yes. sometimes the failures are brilliant so yes. it sort of gives you permission to go well listen all of this feels real arbitrary now yeah. so I might as well just dive in exactly I kind of had this endless to-do list of things I wanted to check off in order to give myself the space to try to write fiction it's like I just wanted to feel like I was in a good spot career-wise like where I could just sort of take a few months and you know this freelancer mentality I've been freelance since 2001 so it's like this feast and famine kind of yeah. feeling where it's like if I don't take this job I'm not going to get you're any you're surrounded more by people here who yes. yeah have that for exactly. any, number any number of careers yeah and then I have like I've got to make sure my kids like I are raised at least a little bit I mean, they're, still, <laughs> they're still tiny but I, right. I didn't start writing until they're in kindergarten where I felt like I could kind of you know, withhold some of my mental, my mind share for something that wasn't fully immersion yeah, parenting. Is, and, that, and just not to interrupt you, but just off of that, is it hard to, which takes us back to the whole sort of nee house thing, <laughs> which is, you know, one, one could say like, well, yeah, but at least you weren't going into yes. Google 12 hours a day oh, and, yeah. you know, being an executive where you just had no contact with your family. But in, but at the same time, so like, oh, how great you can do both. Yes. But at the same time, it's, Ugh. that's impossible. Like it's, it's so, so hard. hard to work from home, especially if you have kids. Um, I have a handful of moms who are in my same boat who are just like not technically, you know, we're not technically full-time working moms and that we don't don't leave and go to an office every day and and then and then we're not stay-at-home moms either we're just in this weird gray area so it's like we're always expected to come and do stuff at school because you know you're at home you have yeah, time yeah. And it's just like, you should yeah uh, well then it becomes a it's like all all full time all yeah, the time like all, you should always be doing either time. writing or being a mom and if you're you know and if you're not doing that 24 7 what are you doing i know and i feel like such an a-hole complaining about it because it is pretty much the ideal setup where I can I can work I can work from home and I have for many many years and I've loved it and I love being there for my kids and I love being when they're there when they wake up from their naps and and on the days when I didn't have work just to spend with them was been was incredible like I'm so freaking lucky like I know that and to complain about it feels really awful but there are times when I'm just like oh my god I can't focus at all mm-hmm. and there were days when I had a deadline and I had literally two three-year-olds just like, okay. <laughs> like bang bang on the door and just yeah. like I going out guys I just need like an hour to focus you're amazing uh-huh. here who adores you you have so many things to do like you're in your home like this is just give me an hour and it was just it was always painful you know and so uh, that split and also hard to kind of transition from especially when I started writing the book when it was got to be kind of dark I mean this book is based on like a 
a serial murderer who who uh, killed five w- people on campus when I was a junior in oh high, in college. And so it was. It's not. It's not r- true crime, and it's. I've changed a lot of the details, but it was based on real experiences for me. Yeah. And there were days when it got dark, and I'm writing about you know, this woman who may or may not be in the room with a murderer and it gets really, it gets really tense and sweaty. And then it's like, Oh my God, it's two 30. I've got to go to school to pick up my kids. Right. (laughs) And so you're transitioning from this like insane world. And then you show up at the playground and you're like, hi guys, I really really weird. I think it's probably similar when you're an actor and you're working on really dark material and then you have to then come home and have dinner with your family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this like transitioning through those, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about something I'm working on offline because I'm not ready to really talk about it yet on the podcast, but I certainly will soon. Um, So this will just be like a weird off handed uh, teaser, but I'm working on something that is not even a role. It is something real in real life and it has elements of that and it is so exciting. It's so, but it is hard. Like just the sort of feeling of like, why am I, I, everything's great. Why do I feel yeah. really bad? And, and it, it's, you know, and it, and I just, I have so much respect and I'm so blown away by people who can, you know, be crime reporters full time sure. or who are cops or who are doctors and people who are, you know, ER surgeons, yeah. people who have found a way to compartmentalize far better than I have. Oh, God, and I yeah. have a long way to go because it really does feel like those things just bleed into one another. Yeah. And you don't want, I mean, no pun, sorry, mm, but, but you don't yeah, want to be you, exactly. regretfully intended. <laughs> you don't want to desensitize to it, right? You don't right, want right. to get to the point where you're like, oh yeah, another one of these exactly like it's su svu or I, yeah, I always call it yeah. suv but it's like i do too. Where you're like oh yeah this is another crime another yeah, chalk another horrible child rape exactly. boy oh boy and yeah so what's I, for dinner i know so you you have to stay i'm sure just like you said compartmentalizing yeah because then you can have you can have those horrible feelings mm-hmm. of you know grief or anger or you know whatever process you need to do as a professional as but as also as a human being to get through it and then also be able to look at your kids and see them clearly and celebrate them and not feel like that leaked over and there's a dark positive loving happy mother and not you know so I wrote a lot of it when they were asleep at night because that was the only time I was really able to tune out that air traffic controller part of your brain for one that's like always kind of thinking about where they are and what they're doing if you're not with them and also just to kind of let myself go to this place for a few hours uninterrupted yeah and um you know it was it's it's never parenting is let's just that's another podcast (laughs) it's it's wonderful and amazing and so fulfilling and like the greatest ever thing I've, I've done in my life but it's just like it's often hard to balance did you ever read this book I've been talking about it a lot lately but it's called Department of Speculation by a writer named Jenny Offal heard Offill. of it perhaps had it recommended on this podcast by another guest have utterly forgotten about it yes you just yeah said that. it's, a, it's it really kind of a short um book and it's got written in this kind of prosy it's not like a very it's not like a um a traditional story arc in that it's kind of these weird ellipses. Kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's like these poetic stanzas that are kind of linked together to, to tell the story about a, a marriage that's falling apart and a, and a mother. And she has this line that I always talk about. It's just like, I'm just, and I'm going to butcher it again because I'm never great with quotes, but she talks about how she's envious of women who can like shrug off their ambition, like an ill-fitting coat, mm. like a coat that just doesn't feel mm-hmm, fit anymore. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's always been, 
Like, I love working. I love working. And especially if I'm really excited about a story, I like, I like it. Yeah. And, um, and it's just like, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's like a hard sacrifice to make where it's just like, I'm not going to work for two weeks because the kids are going are on spring break and I can't. And I, my babysitter has a full-time job during the day and she comes in the afternoon and yeah. I'm like, and then the summer, forget it. Like I'm shuttling them from camps and everything. And it's like, it's just like, I would really rather be working. Yeah. And I mean, I do you feel like that's something that you, is it, do you, and by the way, all due respect to your wonderful husband who is brilliant, oh, yes. but like, I, do you feel that that's still something that is that a shared responsibility or is that just something that sort of falls upon you? How sexist is this? I'm even having this. I mean, I, well, I mean, I think he's it's, such it's a, a fantastic real... father and he's yeah. so hands on and he yeah. will make meals and he is so involved in their lives and is so present for them. And, like always picks out the greatest book for them to read is like really tuned into their needs. And yet, you know, it's not even his fault. It's mostly like how I kind of, you know, and look, he, his job, thank God he's a television writer. And it's just like, I'm really, I would not be able to do what I do without him and right. his contribution. And I understand in a way is like we're, e- we're equals mm-hmm. in every way, but his salary pays for our house. Right. right like, right. and so him missing a day, of work is often harder than me. I've yeah. got a more flexible schedule and it's like my income is obviously appreciated and yeah. And I, it could have gone the other way. And could. I think that's what the, that's may... the lesson is it's not like, because he's a man, he did it exactly. up. It's like, well, because he's a television writer, you yes. could have been the television. If you were the television writer, it, the roles would be reversed. Exactly. And that's, and it is very common here for the roles to be reversed and exactly. for a woman to, you know, I know I have it's lots just of the money friends. thing. It's just exactly. I have lots of female friends who are the primary breadwinners for their families. And, you know, and some of them are lucky enough to have a guy who's going to say like, you know what, I'm going to take the day off because our little child is sick and has to stay home from school. And yeah. it happens a lot. Um, or they just hire really great help and they have wonderful, caring you know, child care right. providers. But even that, but even the people who can afford that, which to many of, you know, many people feels like a luxury. Yes. Then those people have guilt about doing it. Exactly. Even. It's oh, not even, no, that does sure. like, it, it just creates a whole new la- layer <sighs> of like, like you needing to have a babysitter because you had a deadline and you needed to work. And yes. at the same time, it's like, well, I'm at home, I'm the mother. And yet the person they have to lean on is their babysitter. It's a like, I'm sure. You, yeah. We're expected to do everything and you can't do all of it. Well, you know, you just can't. And you know, somebody early on when I was, the kids are really little someone gave me this great analogy where I feel like my life is like a four burner stove and I've got pots on all the burners and I'm just trying to keep all of them at like a a simmer Uh like a low maybe sometimes one of them is really boiling and like great and then another one is kind of like just staying warm yeah and it's just like you can't you don't have enough gas in the stove to keep all those four pots boiling at all the time at least you know that the woman's place is in the kitchen ah Oh my God, that is, yeah, I'm so sad that that's the analogy. If I could find something in the garage, that was like, is there a car analogy I could use for that? I don't know enough about, I don't know I've enough heard, about I've cars. I've heard cars have cylinders. Is yes. that a thing? Should I talk about firing on a all carburetor? cylinders? I think that's a thing. I'm just a girl. I don't know anything about cars. No, I don't know. It's so, it is I kid, pretty I bad, kid, I kid. but it is, it's the one that makes most sense to me. Uh, it makes sense. But it makes sense. It's a, it's an apt visual. I'm trying, I'm hard pressed to think of anything on the, else in the house that really Has works four, that way so I that you would need I'm to be sure paying attention to simultaneously kind of programming thing i could say <laughs> i'm a writer i don't know don't feel pressure. math is hard 
science. Am I right, guys? Forget it. Um, what, what were you, what would you disappear into as a fan when you were, you know, in high school and college? What were you reading? What were you listening oh to? What were you watching? I was really into that college radio world, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and this is another thing, when I was in Kansas, I was, I had this clock radio that I would just always, t- if I could just tune it just right, I would... I would get the KU, the uh, University of Kansas Station in Lawrence, and I would hear all these like replacements and like REM and all yeah. that stuff. And it was like, this is so cool. I've got kind of like this secret thing that I can tune into. And um, and so I was really, I'd love to see music. I love to go see bands. And it was just like, Gainesville was like in a transition. It, so it was just like when I got there, it was like all like Vanilla Ice and like <laughs> two, I, two Live Crew, which is not my scene at all. Right. And then by the time I left, it was all like Nirvana and all the kind of Seattle scene. And it was so it was this big cultural shift that happened when I was in college. That I really it was fun to experience in that moment. Um, I, you know, had to read so much for classes that I really didn't know if I I don't know how much I read for um, for fun. You know, one there's one famous Florida Florida writer named Harry Cruz who um was just a total badass like he was like a you know had like a mohawk and was a Vietnam vet and he was like an older guy and mm. he was just like this his writing was so gritty and like real um kind of brutal rural Florida kind of world and I just was like he was the coolest and so scary. I mean, I took one of his classes and, and I dropped it because I just like, I can't be in the, the <laughs> he was so scary to me, but, and I would wow. see him at the Publix, you know, the Florida grocery uh-huh. store and he would be like pushing his cart. And <laughs> it was like filled with beer you and he was just his like, cart something intimidating, like it's yes, a hog. Shopping like a cart was yeah. intimidating to me. That's right? amazing. And so I kind of loved tuning into that weird subculture of like, you know, kind of this gritty stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even though on the outside, I was like this, nobody would suspect that I was uh-huh. like into this kind of stuff. There's this book called, one of his books, his most famous book is called Feast of Snakes. And it's um, it's even hard to describe like all these really gritty, like awful characters. So I, awful and wonderful at the yeah. same time. Um, and then what else I loved? I got this book called, my friend gave me this book called Geek Love by Catherine Dunn when I was, it's like 1990, I guess. And it was like, it's uh, about this family um who had a circus and they started like the mom would ingest chemicals while she was pregnant so she could give birth to these Whoa, freaks. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like Banuski family. And it was like this real counterculture kind of Bible where it's like, I guess Kurt, uh, Kurt and Courtney were big fans. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I didn't know about that at the time, any of it. I just had read this book and I was like, this is amazing. This is so creepy and weird and dark and, and um, it was so unlike all like the 19th century writers that I was having to read for school. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was into that typical stuff like Mulan Kundera, like Mm -hmm. and all this kind of, you know, the existentialist stuff. And it's just like all those lame questions you ask yourself when you're 19 and 20 and just kind of what if we're all just sort of connected in this weird, like kind of kind of weird. I wasn't a stoner, but it was like kind of this weird, like these big questions. I loved college for that. You know what I mean? And even high school, parts of high school. I really loved. I mean, I did love those kinds of courses. I, I. I was, they were made for me. You know what I mean? They were made, there's a reason that they exist. And I fall into the category of like, yes, because same thing. I was like, I wanted to take, you know, the ethics in film class and like read Kierkegaard and then compare it to the deer hunter and just feel like it felt like those questions, those, especially like the kind of the philosophy or the, you know, getting into the, all the kind of existential or, or even just like uber literary, like, 
you know, Ginsburg and like those kinds yeah, of things. Or James like, Joyce or, or James like that. Yeah. And it's like, it really does feel like I'm more so in college. Again, this is all like a total cliche, but I do feel like it was like kind of getting the keys to the grown up world 100%. in such a different way than high school was, you oh, know, God, it's yeah. like, oh, now I'm, I'm part of this. I'm, I'm in it. I have opinions and, you know, I really I loved believe it. it's, I love the fact that there's a 17 year old somewhere right now reading The Stranger by Camus yes. and thinking like, oh my God, I get it. I get it. Yeah. My mind is blown and being turned in and turned on by writing and stories and just this alternative way of thinking. Yeah. Like just not just assume everything at face value. And I, I don't know. I think it's cool that there, that this, that these kids still, you know, there's teenagers who are feeling this right now. Yeah. And, that, and you know, college is for that. And it's a, it's, I think it's a weird time to be a college student because of all, you know, you look at the stuff going on at UC Berkeley and with the free speech right. and like the protesting of Ann Coulter and all this stuff and, and, and how, you know, the Milo, whatever his name right, is, Creepazoid. Right. Like right. they invite these people to speak on campus and you're just like this extreme viewpoint. So we're so polarized in our thinking as in American culture right now, we're between conservatives and progressives and we're just name calling and mudslinging. And, and I feel like, wow, it's sad to me that, cause college really was that place where you were, you learned, learned about to, all of it. Yes. Yeah. And you learned how to talk to people who thought differently from you. And, yeah. and you all had to kind of coexist in this framework. You know, I met, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's got a son at Oberlin and he was saying that, you know, he's a left, he's like in our family, he's like so far left and so radical and at Oberlin, he's like considered like a moderate, like mm-hmm. he's like a Republican in that right, place right, right. because it's gotten so, so progressive where they yeah. have like a sit in to protest that they're not using authentic bread for the banh mi, the Vietnamese sandwich. And, and it's just like, I get it. I understand that we, I like that we're now more sensitive as a culture, but it seems like we're taking it too far. And also we need to learn in that when we're at that age, like how to disagree civilly. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to hear Ann Coulter, you know, yeah. but I just like, I might, I don't think I would have been able to detach enough, to just go to the movies and ignore that she was on campus, but mm-hmm. I would have made a sign. Hopefully right. a, a smutty one. A smutty. Right. <laughs> Hopefully a smart and funny yeah. sign to like stand yeah. out in front and say like, you're a jerk. Like, I don't want I don't want you here, but I wouldn't have broken a window or, right. you know, like set up something on fire. Yeah. I don't know how I got in this. That's such a specific group too that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Cause like you said, it's the, 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 the loudest, most extreme voices are the, are the ones that get heard and talked about. And then yeah. there just doesn't, it starts to feel more and more like there isn't room for, you know, <laughs> stuff in the middle. Oh, um, oh sh- I should get into this mash game. I could do this forever. Um, uh, okay, so our, and I, that was very unceremonious, but how do you feel about getting this MASH game started? Are you sure, feel okay about it. it? Okay, uh, so, and you've listened to the podcast, so you know yeah, this yeah. is coming. I don't have to, okay, great. That saves all of us some time. So <laughs> I, I always think, why didn't I say something to the guests beforehand? They, I shouldn't expect that they would know that we we're going to do this, and then I have to explain what it is. And my poor listeners are like, yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah, we know yeah. what I've it is. I've heard this a hundred times. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, first one, well, listen, I'm going to do this because this satisfies my own, uh, uh, this is a question that I enjoy asking and I'm going to, and I'm excited about your answers. And I feel like I've, I'm entitled to ask it because of uh, stuff that you've done in your work life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's do three styles from any era, 
gender not an issue that um, pretend that they're all the same level of comfort like three styles from t- through time or even in the future if you imagine what that looks like okay. that it would be cool to rock and no one would look twice it's just like this is my this is sometimes my look my look yeah I mind specifically right yeah just something and it can be outrageous like oh I could never pull this off and therefore in the smash world I would David I Bowie I mean, out or whatever oh my god for sure I would I mean I think oh god this is really fun to even think about okay good I'm glad because I really really love this question I have in the past asked it and felt like I have put someone on the spot who's like fashion I don't know no, no, like no. I don't fashion have any you know what I mean inf- yeah. infinite possibilities I always I feel a little schizophrenic in my closet anyway I got a few looks that I just do all the time but if I could just like totally go for it I mean I guess I would do like a full rock like we were at the whiskey the other day. My kids played the whiskey for their 10th birthday, oh, which wow, was hilarious. Wow. They both have like bands and um, wow. they're 10, but they play. Yeah. It's like they have like three songs. It's fine. And there were these guys like there were 90s rockers who were just like getting in a full brawl. And just, <laughs> it was like Pretty Boy Floyd versus yeah. the Bullet Boys. Like, yeah. we're the headliner. No, we're the headliner. Like, <laughs> and um, I mean, if I could do it, it was like a yeah. Joan Jett. Like, oh, I mean, sure. Are sure. you kidding me? Okay, first one, Joan Jett. I need just two more. I so love it. so tough. Um, I love it. And then I guess like a hyper... I, you know, Lauren Hunton is always mm-hmm. like, so she's yeah. 73 years old and is in a Calvin Klein underwear ad now. Did you know this? It's just coming out. Uh, I guess I'm not, a, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But, but she's amazing. just so like, she'd probably wear these pants. Uh-huh. Right? Yes, and, she would. And yeah. not feel like a goose about it. Yeah. Um, like I do. She, uh, she definitely wears a trouser well, but so do you. And then, um, for another style, I would say like J- Japanese teenagers yeah. circa 1996 like full Harajuku situation yeah I think I would I think in general I was thinking about just the David Bowie thing uh is not even like I mean I would totally like many people would be all about it but just in general I would wear more weird makeup like a giant star on your eye and just it doesn't mean anything like everyone just takes you just as seriously as they would I think I could really get on board for like more blue lipstick more kind of you know why do you have a lightning bolt across your face I don't know anyway let's keep talking you know there was a woman I used to do my hair in New York who used to just put these like weird dots right under her eyes yeah yeah eyeballs and it was just like that's just her that's her thing I love it so cool and it was like or Bjork you know how she just kind of goes for it yeah I think maybe I would mm, Let's just cross out Lauren Hutton and put Bjork. There. Okay, great, great, great. She's great. a little bit more exciting. That's great. Yeah. I could, you know, the all the braids and the whole thing. Yeah, you know, the weird. Like I'm just wear. A, I'm gonna wear a swan. Yeah, or I'm gonna put like jewels all over my face or just like go nuts because this is how I woke up today. I know. That's Agreed. What I'm Agreed. Yeah, it's, I, it feels I so freeing. I never. I would never do that. Yeah, I would never let myself do that. I love this game. Okay. okay. These are great. Um, okay. Let's do three uh, places in the world that it's uh, not difficult to get to in this universe that we're creating here. Yes. Um, so you can sort of uh, teleport there. Three places it would be fun to have a vacation home. And for you, vacation could be still a busy city, you know, okay, if, yeah. if you don't want to be on a beach somewhere or a little Sure. Beach. I get it. Um, vacation home Amsterdam. Great. Um, I love that place so much. Um, oh, boy. Marrakesh. Great. And somewhere kind of just easy and like the big island of Hawaii. Yeah, great, great, great. 
God, I love Amsterdam and Marrakesh because somehow the f- the richness of the color yes. in both, even though they're entirely different places, yeah. they both that makes sense to me from and like a very so stim- visual stimulation and this like richness of texture, fabric, color, the use of all yeah. of that and style. And I they're love. like UNESCO World Heritage sites in that they don't you can't replicate this anywhere else. Yeah, like that exists because of the topography and the climate, and it's just like you can't. So many cities I think are now kind of blending together yeah. in the way that we this global you know globalization like everything worldwide everything's the same you get the same stuff like I love cities you can go and you can buy something you can only get there I agree and I think that's it's it's funny because as that happens conversely the desire for the difference has become more and more acute and we people more and more and I and I do wonder because I'm so not in the VR world and I don't even play video games but I do wonder if that is the but because because people want these immersive experiences and they're not getting them in the places that they live as much anymore and so it is this like seeking out that like I just want to disappear into something that I that's unknown to me or that feels like I'm really getting away from dot 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 oh yeah I'm with you I think it's that it's so incredible this is the only sort of technology that's happening right now that I can really get excited about yeah and I just we had like a little viewer Andrew got for something and we were it was like standing under the Eiffel Tower and you could look up and see it and our kids were so jazzed and I thought like how cool is it gonna be for them to have these god I wonder if I will I wonder if I'll just be if I want if I will adopt that or if I'll just be that funny daddy it's like I want to touch it and I want (laughs) to smell it and I want to be jet lagged and I want to I don't know I can be both you know because there is something about where the the way the air smells like you used to land in Europe and you would smell the diesel fumes and you knew that you were there right and then it was so like so transportive in that way and and I love, I'm very sensory. I mean, I love, even in the book, I feel like I've kind of pushed it almost to the edge of what is uh, acceptable amount of details. Oh, in I terms think it's of great. Like I how think the it's air great. I love that and stuff. All that stuff. But I mean, I hope I can do both, you know? And then mm-hmm. if one, you know, and it's also wonderful for people who, it's expensive to travel, right? Yeah, absolutely. And to be able to experience absolutely. that at home. Yeah, and like, you're right. And it just kind of tunes you in and turns you on to a different way of thinking and mm-hmm. it makes you a more accepting and open-minded person. And yeah. so- you know, I forgot what the, it's, it's kind of a sad statistic about how few Americans actually have passports and who have actually left the country. And, um, and look, we have a big, big country in its heart. It's like in, in Europe, if you live in Kentucky and someone lives in Florida, there would be two different countries. Yeah. Right? And you yeah. Could drive or take Absolutely. a train. So it is prohibitive that we have to cross oceans to yeah. see these cultures. And, but anyway, I hope that, that it does expand and everyone gets really into it. And so they can kind of get, feel more like citizens of the world and mm-hmm. not just, you know, one country. I think that's great. I, I absolutely agree. Um, okay. Next one, uh, perennial favorite, three foods, drinks, something like that. Substances, I suppose, uh, that in our universe are not good for you for one reason or another allergy, calories, whatever it is, uh, here they are readily available. Snap of the fingers, have it in perpetuity. Never have it be bad for you. Uh, a frosty from Wendy's. Great. I mean, she knew how to work that milkshake machine at lunch. I did. You I have took positive memories how, of milkshakes. How many times can we mention milkshakes <laughs> in one interview? Um, so it's not bad for you at all, and you could just eat it. Yeah. Oh God, this is just too delicious. I can't. Um, Arby's. Yes. Oh, these are great. And. Okay. Um, I'm just like a connoisseur of like trash food. <laughs> I love it. I'm That's really good at it. And like cheddar and sour cream ruffles. Oh, great. 
Oh, that's yeah. so satisfying. Yeah, this is great. Okay. God, I haven't thought about cheddar and sour cream ruffles in a minute. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I mean, I could do this all day. If yeah. we just only talked about this, I would be I, totally happy. I, I, I really could, too. I, I really could, too. Um, okay, uh, next category will be... Um, Let's do three. Let's do three movies that you can sort of jump into and live in the world. You're not reenacting the plot. You're not a character, but you're just able to kind of sink into that world with those people in that environment. Okay, I'm gonna say the game. Oh yeah, do you remember Sean Penn and Michael yes. Douglas? They were shooting that right when I first moved to San Francisco, or shortly thereafter. Within the first year that I lived there, they were shooting that, and um, and I remember just being like so intrigued and wanting to know. So it was interesting because it's a, it's a, it's a movie that takes place in San Francisco and it has all of this like intrigue and like insider kind of thing. And then there's this like meta experience for me where I already associated that way because I would see these mysterious trailers in San Francisco and be like, what is that? Who is that? What's going on? That door says Sean Penn on it. What's, what is this? I love, I mean, maybe it's just like, I'm I'm outing myself as like a paranoid, you know, person, (laughs) but I do feel like we are just talking, about this with a friend last weekend and we we're just like this so just to be in on this really complex hoax like i think you know there are all these silicon valley people who think that we're actually living in an alternate reality you know this right oh like, god yeah we're like we're living in a computer generated oh, world and the matrix baby it, yes and so yeah. i feel like it's so weird that you would actually think that 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 we could pull that anybody could pull that off yeah but it's just like for me, the game is just like that. You you were relying on so many people to perpetuate yes. this like lie. Yes. This whole, but it's like it was really cool. The ending scene. I don't want to ruin it. Spoiler alert. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like such it's a like movie. A, it's 30, I really give you permission. It's twenty five years old. I really give when you permission. When he like crashes through the ceiling and you think he thinks he's dying yeah. and anyway and he and there's a, like a surprise party yeah and I, I mean i'm seriously I just got chills just yeah. even saying that it's yeah i haven't seen it in so long but i feel like i remember it so vividly do you do like escape rooms or have I've you ever done any of that stuff it, but we got to get you onto that yes. because it is of course it's like the tiniest pinch of that feeling but um but that's the closest like things like that or like sleep no more like game yeah. games or or environments that you get immersed into like I'm that have to try. they kind of give me that same I sort do of thrill. like that, that kind of really deep escape that yeah. feeling of like getting out of your head for yeah this. everyone else knows what's go- knows what's going on I know, and i'm a little but bit i like, don't oh, or everybody, are they all messing with me yeah like i do yeah. get that feeling sometimes you're like is it am i the last one uh-huh. on the joke here <laughs> so two more movies then yeah. um um I'm trying to think i mean where I would want to live or in or just drop into. You can drop into. You can totally drop into and out of as you as you like for short periods of time. Oh my gosh. I'm kind of um out of Africa. Oh, wonderful. And I mean, I guess I could go deep, cut, even deeper cut, or is it more cut. contemporary? Oh, anything by Terrence Malick. Like, um, oh, sure. Tree of Life. Yep, there you go. I could watch that movie on a, a loop. I just loved it so much. Speaking it, of really just saturating you yes. with this kind of like, here's the world I'm building. I'm going to do it at my pace. You're either with me or you're not yeah. kind of thing. I really appreciate they that. They scouted our house for um, a, a location for a Terrence Malick movie one time, and they were like, they're looking upstairs, and it was like, you know, we need a lot of natural light because he doesn't use any artificial lights and and, and i was just kind of excited about yeah. it and then i was thinking oh like i it's so 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 dark right you don't want any of these like 
you know, the abusive father scenes like in your bedroom. No, right? I understood. Like, you watch the movie and you're yeah. like, oh no. So I was just like, I can't, I didn't, I was like glad that they didn't choose our house yeah. for it, but it was kind of an honor in some ways to even be considered. But uh, yeah, it, I love, and I mean, I guess I would have said Arrival if I didn't say Tree of Life. Yeah. I just love that one too. Yeah. That's the uh, more recent one. Those are great. Those are great choices. Okay. Um, okay let's do, uh, let's do I'm trying to think of things that I haven't been doing lately how about like a soundtrack like a the soundtrack um, it could be a musician a composer singer songwriter band whoever three that um, heretofore unheard music that's being essentially composed for you as you live your life so you sort of have this new soundtrack as composed by um, three different people oh absolutely god great choice and um and then maybe like, oh, this is such a good question. <laughs> I'm so I glad. just, um, oh my God, I'm trying to think. Maybe, is it Jose Gonzalez? Yes. Oh that? God, you're really picking ones I would absolutely pick. And um, what else would I do? Like, I love Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Jr. Oh so yeah, like, see, great, he, great, Like great. some kind of melodic, but yep. kind of hard guitar. Yep. Like, um, following me around everywhere I went. That's great. These are really great. Okay, love it. Um, okay, next category is, uh, let's do fictional character from literature three that would be like your buddy or your mentor, somebody that you could just conjure up and it's it's a real person and you could hang out with them. I think, I mean, this is going to sound really twisted, but I loved Boris from The Goldfinch. Okay, great. I mean, he was such a character. Um, you know, he ended up being like a crazy criminal, but yeah. I mean, kind of amazing. That's great. This is your opportunity to go for the gusto. Who yeah. Cares, you know? And then I think um, Sasha from Visit from a Goon, the Goon Squad, okay. the Jennifer Egan book that I just yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She seemed like a rad lady that I would like to spend some time with. And then I should go way deep. Um, uh, I don't really want to hang out with any of those like Jane Austen ladies because I'm just like <laughs> that was never really my thing. I feel so bad even admitting uh, that. Yeah. But um, one more. Um, this is so hard to pick. I would. I would say, say you're answering with lightning speed. So I you should feel great the, about it. Um, oh my god, the roommate from the Bell Jar went from Sylvia Plath when she moved to like the women's hotel oh yeah her name is i wrote I about this i would not care oh like, there you go i'm gonna put my glasses okay on i'm gonna put the bell jar part on i mean she was just like this kind of you know really knowing new york girl mm -hmm. from the 40s oh i mean god joan didion's not fiction but like joan didion Ugh, back in like i know i was gonna bring her up when we were talking about cool writers and like the sixth she's the cool yeah. girl writer right yeah. i guess she would qualify i mean i don't know if she would say she was she probably knows she is now but at yes. the time she might not have felt like that i, I don't know that she totally did she did <laughs> With, she knew with that sting, she knew what she had access to and what she, she had was, that stingray and she was like mm -hmm. driving all around new york no you're right not, you're I mean, right new york los angeles and just kind of no you're absolutely house. right so i'm gonna have to put my speaking of cool girls i'm gonna put my sunglasses let's go didion can we do that yeah yeah absolutely like i'm gonna you, take bell jar off and put didion yeah, in you like, know what she's she's so legendary she almost is a fictional yes, character like the slouching towards bethlehem kind of yes, era yes um with the stingray and the cigarettes. No, I agree. She is more of a fake person to me than she is a real person, but I, I mean, that's a compliment to her. Okay. Um, okay. And let's do three um, alternate universe uh, modes of transportation. It can be just a special car, three cars that you like, but it could also be like flying. It could be uh, pneumatic tubes. Oh God. Yeah. The tube. That's such a good idea. Um, Jetpack. Great. 
and um, the Star Trek sort of like disintegration and yeah. reappear. <laughs> yeah, what is yeah, that yeah. called? I've been through this before. I always am just like beaming. beaming. I mean, I guess that's transport. It's transport, just a true trans. Is that yeah, beaming? Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up, Scotty. Beaming. I'll see you in the uh-huh, room. The trans. Yes. Room. Let's just say right. beaming. Let's just go Great. for it with beaming. Jetpack beaming and then like a wood paneled station wagon. Oh, great. Great. The days of your great paneled wagon. And then let's do the extra room in your house. And it's can be boundlessly large. It's the sort of like, you know, this room that has there's a magic door in your house and roller it opens skating up. Room. No, you have to finish the statement. Uh, a ro- full roller skating. Like, the rink. Got yes. It. <laughs> like coach light where I went when I was a kid. It was just like my favorite place, like just skating and velour sweatshirts just like (laughs) sticking to me. Um, Roller skating room. And then I would have a, just like can be, mm, this is so exciting. Like a full on like studio 54 situation. Great. Great. And like just walk into like the greatest party dance uh-huh, party ever. Uh-huh. I love it. Could, it could be more like you a could rave. be wearing a similar outfit. Frankly, you could be in roller skates at Studio Fifty Four, or kind of like a rave Fifty Four. That kind of you mm-hmm, know what I mean. That's the mm-hmm. vibe. Or one of those bad like area, or one of those terrible clubs in New York back in the nineties. No, I w- the limelight. No, yeah. I'm gonna stick with, <laughs> gonna stick with the Studio Fifty Four. And great. then the other room would be like. Um, just like an incredible kitchen at like a French, mm-hmm. like a pastry, like a oh, patisserie or something. Oh, great, great, great. Okay. That's Where I could just great. like had all the ingredients and all of the stuff and I could just yeah. like bake just all whip day. something up. Yes. That's amazing. Um, wow. This is a very successful mash game. I haven't even gotten your results yet. Uh, okay. <laughs> tell me when to stop. Okay. Uh, stop. Okay. You got enough time? Uh, oh, it's plenty of time. Okay. Um, I'm going to pause this, do some calculations. I'll be back with your MASH future. Okay. All right. This is great. God, these answers were spectacular. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, and I, and I did my wiggles for so long. It almost looks like she has hair, this little girl <laughs> in the it. middle. Uh, okay. So first of all, I want to congratulate you. Now these two things, um, work very well together for, uh, uh, alliteration and literal reasons um i love the idea of you with your super hot badass joan jet look yes who also gets around by jet pack oh fine joan jet pack it. yes. it's a joan jet pack that's what we're saying here <laughs> there's a real future in this. it's a real there's a real future so you are joan jet packing to your mansion on the big island okay why not she loves the sun i'm <laughs> She loves to just lie around in it. Lie around in it, eating Arby's. Yes, eat Arby's. Non-stop Arby's. Uh, Gross. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. You, as Joan Jett, jetpacking around. You're on the Big Island. You're eating Arby's with Joan Didion. Oh, another God. huge Arby's fan. Joan. Huge she fan. Loves- Look, Joan Jett, Joan D- Didion, Jetpack. So far, Joan everything goes Didion together. Joan Jetpack, too. Is there a Joan Arby's I should know about, <laughs> Joan too? Joan Arby's. Uh, I'll take the Joan. I mean, this is, this is fabulous. Okay. So all of these things are happening to this spectacular new, I feel sure haunting yet elating soundtrack by Sugar Rose. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. Fittingly, you can also jump into tree of life when you want to for that sort of intense, saturating kind of experience. And then when you just want to pull away from everything and disappear into your own secret room, you can go make yourself the most beautiful pan au chocolat (laughs) 
or any other wonderful French pastry you could possibly desire. Can you imagine? This, I is, mean, this is revealing a lot of this re- <laughs> shit over my life. I'm so excited that, that Joan Didion has to eat Arby's. It's know, my new favorite thing. I know. It's I don't great. I think any of those things have happened it's recently. Great. It's yes. really, really great. That is so awesome. Um, that, that, that was a pleasure. That was a pleasure. <laughs> uh, so a lot of you who listen to my podcast have my same interest in true crime or in thrillers. Um, this is a, this is a book that sort of ties in all of those things, right? On top of which we have this kind of like reflecting on being a young person and having this experience. I'm sure based only on the description that you got very briefly, um, you're going to grab it. But is there anything else you want people to know about The Drifter? No, I guess. I mean, it is about coming up, kind of a coming of age story in many ways set against this backdrop of, of violence. So I think some people have been like, I'm scared to read it because I don't like really gory things and I and I and I will tell them that most of the action sort of happens off camera right you know, yeah it's not a book yeah. but it's just you're like, not Stephen Kinging your way through no. it where you're like describing entrails no 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 gosh I yeah. couldn't do that but yeah. I also feel like sometimes it's even scarier when you're left it's left to your imagination I agree. I so agree. it's more of a suspense story but there's spookiness to it yes. yeah and it is about growing up in in women and friendships and um it's something I think about a lot and these two characters their friendship is really put to the test by this violent event. And, and then they alienate each other. They're fully, they're not in contact for years. And then in the end, they find out that the person that they thought they hated was the one they needed the most. So in that respect, I think that it is like a, it's, it's largely a story about friendship and growing up and like in forgiveness and um, forgiving yourself and, Anyway, so that's, that's it. That's great. Is there an audio version available? There is an audiobook. Okay. And um, I have not yet re- listened to it because I'm so, I'm such an audiobook snob. Like I love listening to voices. I'm very picky about sure audio narrators. I'm, I'm even so picky about, picky about it. Yeah. Like, I can't even listen to because I don't, and I, so I rejected yeah. like four or five people they recommended. I was like, yeah. no, 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 she's not going to get it. And I was such a weirdo about it. But um, I don't think that's weird at all. And I bet you they were like, I'm sure that that is incredibly, it's so precious. You're not yes. going to hand your child over to some person unless you feel like it's a good fit. Yeah. I'm sensitive to it. And I, I think am that's because totally normal. I'm an audiobook listener. Yeah. I really enjoy them. I wanted to, you know, I, my dream was to have like Parker Posey read it or something yeah. or Winona or something. But she, this lady who read it was great. And, um, I, I mean, I have not yet listened, but I have listened to snippets. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. I'm excited. It's fun. Like to have somebody telling you a good story in your car. Yeah. You're it's, driving that's great. I like that. Cause I can still, yeah, I can ride my bike or I can be doing oh, chores yeah. and it makes me want to do more chores. Sure. Um, okay, great. Thank and you. are you on social media? Can people find you I'm there if they Christine, have questions or anything yes, like that? Of course. I'm Christine Lennon plus two on Instagram. Great. And I am just Christine Lennon writer on Facebook and that's I'm, great deeply afraid of twitter so i, I don't understand. do that i understand i don't <laughs> blame thank you. you so much this has been yeah amazing. no i'm glad we finally got to do it i'm so thrilled and uh that was a really really fun, so fun. podcast episode and i love you're the gonna have to kick game, me so. out i want to talk all day i know i could do the same <laughs> uh all right guys talk to you next time on the podcast As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.